What's up, Active Lifers? Welcome back to the guest show on the Active Life Podcast. I'm Dr. Sean Pastuge. I'm your host, and today's guest is Mike Bledsoe. You might remember Mike from his days at Barbell Shrugged when he started one of the largest fitness podcasts in the world. He was also one of the first starting a fitness podcast. And the reason why I think that's relevant to talk about today is because I view Mike as an innovator. I view Mike as a phenomenal innovator. Everybody who I know in the fitness business space who has recognized their failures and has achieved success in some way, shape, or form seems to know Mike Bledsoe. And I enjoy my conversations with him because Mike is a man who has spent a ton of time on personal development. And I just find it to be a very fascinating and important skill to have to continue to intentionally develop oneself through the assistance of another coach and through the work that you're doing on your own. Mike's company, The Strong Coach, helps coaches to level up their humanity, their personal development, in such a way that it allows them to impact their business. And we send clients to The Strong Coach all the time. Sometimes people are a better fit for the company that's not yours. And when that happens, we send them to Mike. We get into that on the show and how and why we do that. The other thing that we talk about on the show, well, there's a lot of things, but we talk about the money mindset and how you need to change yours if you're ever going to find fulfillment in making a career out of fitness. If right now you are saying things like you didn't get into this for the money, you are running yourself into the ground worshiping money, which is a downward spiral. You want to be on the upward spiral. Mike talks about how clients he works with go through the, uh, the essential personal development to being successful business people and then apply that personal development to their business without becoming personal development businesses themselves and forgetting about the fitness, which is a mistake that we see people making all the time. I'll get you to Mike. Turn pro. What's up, Mike Bledsoe? What's up, Sean? So happy to be here with you today. I'm happy to be here with you. I'm, I'm kind of envying the internet connection that you have outside at your house. <laughs> as, as, as I come, you know, as we speak over Zoom, I've, I've tried to do podcasts outside on my deck before and it just, yeah. like, nope, it's not good. It's not good. Yeah. Yeah, I'm lucking out. I'm lucking out. I'm I'm in an area where I got good Wi-Fi and I've got a good signal, and so life is life is always good when that's the case. Uh, the, the office of the day can be anywhere if you have signal. That's right. That's right. That's right. So I know that most of the people who are going to listen to this episode probably know you as the guy who started Barbell Shrugged. That's how I first got to know you, and what I've come to learn about you since first learning that Mike Bledsoe existed is that I think what you bring to the fitness industry is a, a way of thinking that uniquely prepares coaches to deal with becoming the human that they need to be, to be the coach that they need to be. And I would love yeah. you to kind of speak about how you started to make that transition from podcast host to coach of coaches. Yeah. <clears throat> so I think it's, a, I think it's a, there's always predictable stages of development. And this is one of the things that I was not privy to until, you know, five, six years ago when I started. Uh, I got really curious. For me, it was a lot of curiosity around uh, leadership, personal development, communication, what creates our reality. Um, all, some, some of the more even uh, metaphysical conversations. And I just out of pure curiosity. And due to that curiosity, I started, I got into some work by a guy named Ken Wilbur, where he talks about predictable stages of development. And, uh, and he started talking about children, like when a baby is born, they only think of themselves. They just want to nurse at mother's breast. They want you to change their diapers. And then there's another predictable stage of development after that, which, you know, the terrible twos. And then you get into the, another predictable stage of development and high, you know, puberty and high school and then young adulthood. And what I realized is that, uh, as our, our culture basically says, okay, you're an infant, you're an adolescent, 
you're uh, prepubescent, you're, you're going through puberty. Oh, by the way, you're 18, you're now an adult. Um, and so uh, between uh, 18 or 21, however you look at it, and 65, which is senior citizen, there's zero development happening, right? And which is total bullshit. There's tons of development that can happen, right? And the thing is, is you can develop uh, only, you, you will develop unconsciously, but who wants to develop unconsciously? Because unconscious development is slow. Unconscious development is messy. Uh, it's painful and you won't get, get as far. But if you have conscious development, you recognize, oh, I am continuing to develop even though I'm 25. I've been calling myself an adult for seven years. I'm actually going through other stages. And I like to point this out because people tend to uh, only be aware of something that they can name, they can give language to. And so uh, I started looking at, well, how do we create new categories or, you know, and I started looking at the stages of development of, okay, after you're 18, what's the next stage of development? And I didn't have to do this work because uh, some really smart psychologists already did it for me. And they, they outlined like, yeah, uh, people tend to go to be like this and they operate like this and then they operate. And then once they graduate out of that way of operating, they, they, move into this new way of looking at the world and it, it goes on and on and on. And most people don't move very far in their lifetime. They move once they hit 18, 21, they may move through one or two stages, additional stages of development, but there's, there's several that we've identified. And so I started looking at the, the whole world through this lens of, uh, you know, what are the predictable stages of development for a coach? And I, because you can do that with anything. You could do it like with a school teacher. You could do it with as a plumber, whatever. You start talking to people who've been in a business for a long time and you go, oh, there are very predictable stages of development here. And so uh, what I, my goal was, was just to move everybody to their next stage. You know, and I see there's a lot of coaches that are at, we'll call it the blue stage or the orange stage. You know, I catch people when they're in that blue orange, I like to use colors. So like, are you familiar with spiral dynamics? No, no. Okay. So they, uh, in the, in the book spiral dynamics, and then also in Ken Wilber's work, uh, integral theory, uh, there, the idea is that we're both, we're both repeating things and progressing simultaneously. So, uh, life is not a, doesn't grow in a linear fashion. And it also, you're not, you're not, not like every winner, every winner is exactly the same, but every winner in a person's life is kind of similar, but there's progress being made. So the spiral dynamics mean that there's a spiral that's moving and progressing. So, so like an opposite of a, of a drain, like I'm, I'm, I'm circling around the target and I'm ascending yeah. and getting closer to the target, both vertically right. and centrally at the same time. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So. Uh, we can say that people are, in a, I, and I noticed, I go, I, I, I started thinking about, uh, mainstream and I started studying where the average is at. And so I just, I was hanging out in gyms and I was hanging out with coaches, my favorite people on that fucking planet. And I realized that most people were in this one stage of development and I'd already moved through that stage and I go, Oh, I can just help them move into the next stage and it'll be very fulfilling because it's such a big thing. It's such a, it, it's not a technique. It's not a tactic. It's not even a strategy. You know, it's all those things are really cool to teach in business. I mean, I, I have to teach business because, uh, that's the foundation for people to be great coaches. But yeah, my big thing is what I noticed in the fitness industry is like, wow, we could be listening better to our clients. We could be communicating back to them. We could be helping them. The reason they're failing is not because their training program isn't good enough or that we told them to eat the wrong potato on Thursday. It's because they, they're, they're, we're, not, we're not getting into enough of their life. We're, yeah. No, I, I, relate, I relate to that strongly. I'm yeah. sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. I relate to that strongly. Yeah, please. So what, what, yeah. I, what I was going to say there was 
you know, it's, it's the same people ask me all the time about nutrition. Like, I don't know why you're asking me about nutrition. I'm not a nutrition yeah. coach by any stretch, but I think that everybody knows broccoli is better for them than a cookie. And right. so, so the question is not what knowledge are you lacking? It's why are you choosing the cookie? What led yeah. to you choosing the cookie? Let's, let's first make the person the kind of person who wouldn't choose the cookie and then provide the information to essentially become redundant on that decision-making being the appropriate decision. So yep. I have a question for you as it relates to personal development, because one of the things that I find happens, especially with fitness professionals, coaches, gym owners, whatever the case might be, is they go through a development that for them is essential because they struggled so much in business. And then they're like, what do I need to do to change? And somebody jumps into their life, whether on purpose or by accident, and levels up their humanity, right? Levels up their ability to be a human. And as a result of that, their business begins to take off. Yeah. And the mistake that I see gym owners and coaches making when that happens, and I'm curious as to your take on this, is they immediately deprioritize the fitness that they're coaching people and try to turn their business into a personal development business because of the renaissance yeah. that they went through themselves. Yeah. Can you speak yeah. to how somebody can level themselves up and bring other people up without selling them personal development? Yeah, it's, um, I, I've actually had a lot of clients that want to do that. They, and I, in, in my, I too, so much so that inside my curriculum, I started putting in there, you know, big mistake, red X, uh, <laughs> don't do that, do this. Um, and yeah, it's, well, here's the thing is the average person who's coaching, why did they become a coach in the first place? It's, we'll, we'll talk, we'll, we'll just talk CrossFit. Like, why does someone become a CrossFit coach? Well, it's usually because they have some crazy personal transformation themselves. They got so stoked about it that they think that if they then become the person who is the catalyst for other people's transformation using this very specific tool that they're going to experience fulfillment and it's very short lived. And, uh, and, and the thing is, is, uh, usually the coach wants something for their client that, uh, and that they, they want to, they end up positioning themselves as the hero in the relationship. And so when the client isn't receiving, isn't ex having the experience that they're having, they, they, end up with frustration. So they're actually, uh, attached to their client's results, which is, uh, for me, uh, a huge no, no. If you want to, uh, really experience a lot of suffering in your job, be really attached to how other people behave. Uh, and so the, <laughs> so true. yeah, so like, um, uh, my goal is to have coaches embed personal development conversations into their coaching because I have a distinction between being a trainer and being a coach. A trainer writes workouts, a trainer counts reps, a, a trainer may be a cheerleader, right? These are all the things that people associate with being a coach. But a coach is somebody who really understands, can listen and understand their client, make the client feel heard and understood then also be able to uh, find, to me, like my job as coach is find the highest leverage thing that we can work on that's going to get the client the result. Uh, the problem that most trainers run into, and this is why they want to move into personal development and get away from the fitness, is because they're focused on the tool and not the client. They cross it's amazing. Procabulary is amazing. And lifted is amazing. Or, or, uh, whatever, whatever program they did, like changed everything. And so now they put all their focus on the tool and they put the tool on this pedestal and the client is down here and they don't, and they think they're serving clients, but they're not because if you're attached to a tool, uh, you are a tool, no, but, uh, the, <laughs> but like the, um, what ends up happening is people fall in love with the last tool that they use that got them the result that they want to get for other people. So it's multi-layered here. Um, and so the trick is the pro move is to keep being of service to the client, whatever the client needs. If they want to add, you know, if they want to get to a 400 pound back squat, let's do the training program. Let's do it. Let's get everything dialed in. And then also have the conversations around how are you resting? You know, are, are there, 
are there limiting beliefs? Are there, are there, what's the fucking chatter going on in your head? This is the personal development piece. What's, how are you talking to yourself? What are your relationships in your life like? Are, is your entire life contributing to your goals? Or do you have two hours of your life contributing to your goals and 22 hours of your life working against you and then you're fucking beating your head against the wall? So there's, there's also a trend and when people go through these stages of development is to dismiss all previous stages of development. So you'll see this when um, somebody leaves religion and they're like, oh man, you know, run into somebody three hours after they leave religion. And they think everyone that's in religion and goes to church is dumb. And, <laughs> and, <laughs> but what, what, if this person progresses far enough in their journey, they'll realize the value of religion. They'll realize its value to society. They'll, they'll realize why it works and why certain people are participating at that point in their life. Um, and they it, and they'll go, wow, I'm in full acceptance. I love religion. You know, I may not be going to church every Sunday myself, but I see the value in it and it, and it plays an individual and all that. So what happens with the personal, the personal development, hopefully I didn't lose too many people by talking about religion, but, uh, I think they're still here. The, um, they're still here. Okay. So what ends up happening is someone gets into personal development and they go, oh, wow, what's happening between the ears, like psycho-emotionally, is driving everything. You know, like, this is driving all the behavior. This is the highest leverage thing. You know what? All the fitness stuff is stupid. Because what they did is they progressed into a new stage of development, and they completely dismissed what's, what came previously. So the pro move is, and women are better at this than men, by the way, which is integrating what they previous lear- previously learned into everything that's happening now. And I think it's because they... Uh, they're biologically suited for, for raising children. And so they're in better recognition of these stages of development, whereas men tend to fo- be very future focused. And so we're not very good at, we, we tend to not be as good at integrating the past, but everybody can do this, but you have to get to like a point in the future. So you may have to go really deep and do that personal development stuff until you run yourself ragged. And then you, and then you go, Oh, Oh, it's all the same thing. It's all one big machine. And uh, when you put all the pieces together, you go from like riding a tricycle to driving a Ferrari. Yeah. It's, it's what, if I understood you correctly there and please uh, help me pivot on what I'm understanding is if I'm off is as you go through personal development as the coach and you learn that it's not about you and it's still your fault. And as you learn that, your job is to make your client the hero and whatever the methodology is to match their needs. The mistake that a coach could make is in recognizing that they made the mental shift that allowed them to be an effective coach and then forgetting the tools that make the client happy and effective and just resort to only teaching them the mental tools. Yeah. And the way that they can bring that in is by asking a client something like, I understand you're uncomfortable doing that exercise, for example, or you fell off the wagon this weekend. Why do you think that happened? And then actually getting to that as it relates to their, their practice, instead of then taking it down and becoming a therapy session and helping them level up as a human being in just humanities. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's the kind of conversation I'm in is meet people where they're at. So, I'm not trying to convince anybody of anything. It's just like, I'm curious about where, what someone, a client's thought process. Is. I was like, all right, you know what step I'm worried about? The next one. Well, I don't care about step, you know, 10 steps from now, people start getting, that, that step's never coming by the way. Cause you don't know what the step is after the next one until you get to the next one. Yeah. Well that, that goes back to the, you know, the idea of done is better than perfect. And, and you can't, yeah. you can't formulate the perfect conversation until you've had the imperfect conversation and made changes from it. I love that. So I remember we went on a walk in Tahoe in September. And yeah. one of the things that we were talking about was people's limiting beliefs around money and the false mm-hmm. narratives that pertain to money. And I want to talk to you about this specifically, because I think that it's a big part of the personal development that allows a coach to transition from being a trainer to being a coach. And yeah. The reason that I believe that that's the case is I don't think anybody goes to medical school because they just want to help people on a medical level. I don't think anybody goes to chiropractic school so that they can help people on a chiropractic level. 
they could help people without that education. But I think that there is some level of reasonable certainty that when they graduate, they are going to make a financial freeing income. Yeah. Where coaching, there isn't necessarily that ubiquitous reasonable certainty that as you elevate your coaching skills, you are going to see a financial return for that. And so the incentive right. to become a great coach is lower because much of the industry isn't getting paid anything. And then right. another part of that is much of the industry, the first thing that they'll tell you is I don't do it for the money as if making money is a bad thing. And on the walk. <laughs> yeah. If you, if you say I'm not doing it for the money, you are, you are more wrapped up in money than most millionaires. Without a doubt. I would say almost yeah. than any millionaire. Because it's, it's, it's about the way that they feel yeah. about the money and how that restricts them from being effective. But what, what you yeah. said to me on the walk, I remember we were talking specifically about what we do, what you do, and we talked about money for a moment. And one of the things that you said was, I'll try something. And if it doesn't work and it runs me out of money, I'll just go make more money. It's fine. I'll go find yeah. more. Why, what, what for you? Cause I know that you used to be a, a pizza guy when you started, you know, delivery guy, when you started Barbell Shrugged. Oh no, no, that was CTP. Oh, I apologize. I thought that was you. No, that's okay. okay. No, no, no. But what, what has affected you? I was, I was, I was using my GI bill money from the military to fund my, my, my gym business. I was, I was broke. Just as, broke. Just as good. So the question, yeah. Mike is what was the moment for you that shifted your money mindset to understand that making money is not only acceptable, but it's, it's necessary if you're going to be a great coach. Yeah. The, the, there was many different layers. First layer was my dad passed away. He committed suicide uh, when I uh, was about one year into my gym ownership. And I went and closed up his book of business. I saw everything that was going on and I had like, I had idolized my father. And I think most, most, people do. Um, and I did business like he did, which was like, uh, he was a craftsman, right? He was so good at what he did, like built these beautiful, uh, homes and, and, and renovated these houses and made them just exquisite and was a perfectionist, like, you know, cleaned up after your work, everything was, he was a craftsman. But when it came to marketing, it was a, you know, it was a necessary evil. And then the way that I remember going on jobs with him and he would quote the job out and then I would, the conversation he was having was like, oh yeah, I priced it for this reason and someone else, oh, they're going to get this other contractor to come give a quote. And then he would talk shit about the other contractor on why they're too expensive. And so what ended up happening for me is I looked at my entire childhood where I was being exposed to this way of thinking and this way of acting in business with money. And I thought it was right. And then, um, he passed away and I looked at the books and I was like, my dad was wrong. My dad was wrong. And, um, I looked at like all the suffering that he had experienced through his life, the complaints, the fights between my parents. Um, and, and not only that, like the amount of debt he was in. And I, and I actually believe that I do believe that the debt and, and things like that contribute to his decision to take his own life. And so I don't think it, was, it wasn't so much debt that it was just like, oh my God, that wouldn't be the, the sole reason, but it, it was a contributor to the stress that he was experiencing and the, the hopelessness. And so when he passed, I noticed that it was, it was, it was, there was a piece of it that was conscious and there was a piece that was unconscious where I started doing business differently. Like I was finally willing to study marketing because it's no longer a necessary evil. It's actually like an absolute necessity. It's, it's a, it's a major component of business. If not, you know, basically your business is, you know, Peter Drucker says is innovation and marketing. Uh, it's about it. Mm -hmm. If you're not doing those two things, you're not in business. You're, you're living in a fantasy somewhere. So, uh, yeah, uh, I was in a fantasy. And so that was like layer one. Um, I, I made a big jump there. I started running my business well, was able to like grow my gym to whatever, uh, to a decent amount. And then there was a, a, another layer where I was so frustrated with, I had met all by my financial goals as a gym owner. I had, you know, 180 members paying whatever it is they're paying. And then, but I was still only taking home like, 
3,500 bucks a month. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I had, I had hit all the numbers and then, and then, uh, but I imagined that I would be getting paid more, uh, by the time that the gym was making this much money. Right. It was like, ah, oh. <clears throat> and this was 20, I think this was around 2011, 2010, 2011. I got on the, the whiteboard. I remember there were the, there was a fundamentals class happening at my gym where we would, you know, make sales from. And I ran the numbers. I go, okay, what do I actually want to make? Like as a gym owner, I think it's fair that I make $75,000 a year. I think that's in, in Memphis, Tennessee. I, I don't think that's being greedy. I don't think that, but I, I want to live a good life and I want to be able to have a family and all this stuff. All right. What does the gym actually have to make? And I reverse engineered the whole thing. And I found out what my business partners want to make too. They, they want to make close to what I was making. Um, and ran the numbers and I go, Oh shit, we're charging way. We're, we're charging like $80 less per month per member than what we really should be. If we want to hit these goals. And I remember the feeling of, Oh shit, I hope nobody signs up tonight because I don't want any more contracts signed at that lower mm-hmm. per month value. I, and so like I was in a fucking scurry to get new contracts written up and get them over to the gym so we could get that done. And so that was a big aha for me because what I did is I got to the point where it's like, if I can't make this amount of money, I don't want to do this. Well, that's like, that, why, that's why a, would I kill myself for, for pennies? That's a moment that I think so many gym owners and so many coaches are afraid to have for themselves. And what I mean, what I mean oh, by yeah. that is, you know, like how many coaches do you speak to Mike who've been doing it for five years, six years, 10 years, and they've been trusting the process, trusting the process, trusting the process, but it's the wrong process. It's the wrong mindset. Yeah. And, and, and then they, people come to you and me because they, they come to you and me because they're willing to be wrong. Yes. Yes. But so that I call that humility. It's, it's, it's the most uncomfortable thing in the world to be. Right. The, especially the first time that you're admitting it. And, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, we, we, we admit it all the time. It's, it's, it becomes yeah. the thing that when I say we, I'm talking about myself and our team and I've seen you do it. And it's, yeah. it's, it be, it's like a muscle. The more you admit that you were wrong, the more you actually seek being wrong. Cause you're like, Whoa, on the other side of being wrong is being less wrong which means more good. And, it's, and there's wisdom in that. If you can admit you're wrong, you now learn something that most people are not willing to learn. And then when you speak, people go, oh my God. Like, yeah, that's from years of being wrong. <laughs> and, and it goes back to what you were talking about earlier, which is the intentional development as opposed to the unintentional development. The unintentional development yeah. is every time you walk into a, you know, a restaurant, you say something stupid and you get kicked out over and over and over again. And then one time you try not saying something stupid and you don't get kicked out and you're like, Oh, maybe that's the thing. And you try it again. Yeah. You keep experimenting. The intentional is asking somebody who doesn't get kicked out of restaurants. What do I do that gets me kicked out of restaurants <laughs> and then listening? Right. So, yeah. so Mike, can you help me help gym owners and help coaches reframe the way that they relate to money. Yeah. Because, you know, like I said before, I believe that if somebody's going to be incentivized to become great, they have to have a financial reward with the way that our society works. Yeah. There's layers to this. A, um, who has the ability to have the largest impact on the planet right now? I mean, we could, we could take a few guesses, right? What do they have in common? We got what Bill Gates. Mm-hmm. We got uh Donald Trump. Bezos. We've got, uh, Bezos, who the, who the fuck is controlling shit right now? Mm-hmm. Who's got the most influence? These motherfuckers got money, Yep, money. And you know why that makes them powerful is because everyone worships it. Everyone thinks they worship something else, but you, whatever you put your mind into the most is what you worship. So if you think if you spent, I want you to track your thoughts for today. Whatever you think about the most is what you worship. Right. That doesn't mean things that you focus on. It just means things that you think about. Meaning you don't have to be thinking about how do I make more money? If money is on your mind at all, it's the thing you worship. That's what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. If you're, if you're worried about not having enough of it, you're worshiping it. 
And so that people usually think about worship is like, oh, I'm going to physically put this thing up on an altar and then I'll bow down to it and all this shit. Uh, no, it's where your mind is at. Right. And so, uh, so that's why those guys have so much power. So I'll throw that out there. If you want to also be, if you want to play the game where you have influence and you can help more people and you can have, because that's what helping people is, is like, you're actually going to, um, uh, you're actually going to insert yourself into their life, right? Uh, to a degree. Like, I insert myself into people's lives all the time with Instagram posts, podcasts. Like, yeah, it's voluntarily, they're like, they're interacting, but I'm getting in there. So, like, seeing money as a necessary thing, you can give to charity, you can, it gives you the ability to do all sorts of stuff. I, I make enough money personally to where I actually get to make decisions for my business that are good for the business. So like, that was another thing I got, I got hammered years ago. I got hammered years ago when I got into a, a personal financial crunch and my business was simultaneously in a financial crunch. And, uh, one led to the other, of course, uh, the business led to my financial. So I'm sitting there and I had like, reinvested all my money. I was like, I'm like this noble entrepreneur. Like I'm going to put my money back in my business. And so I did that. That was the story I told. The reality was, was I didn't feel valuable enough. Um, and I didn't value myself enough to pay myself appropriately and, and then create other investments outside of the business. Um, in, in case of rainy days. So what ended up happening is the business went through a problem. I had a problem and it was stressful. And you know what kind of decisions I made? I made poor decisions. I made decisions that were based around my own personal uh, life. And I had to. I had to. I put myself in a position. I put myself in a very weak position. Can you give an example of that, Mike? Can you explain what you mean by that? Uh, So, um, for instance, like business doesn't just grow linearly. Linearly. You know what I mean. (laughs) In a linear fashion. Yeah. Like you have dips. And shit, man, I, I had a, I had a dip that took me down to 10% of my revenue or, uh, it was about 15% of my revenue overnight. And it wasn't, and I didn't know if I was going to get back and I didn't get back. So I actually had to make some very fast changes. And so what ended up happening was because my own, I was living like, I probably had like two or three months of money at a time. And the business hit this dip that I was going to, I took a major pay cut. So now I don't have enough in savings because I've been in investing back in the business. Um, then I, uh, I, uh, I go, okay, I got to So then I started making a lot of short term decisions. Like we need to make money quickly. We got to like, well, this was the barbell shrug. It's like, okay, we got to sell something. And it's like, all right, what do we sell in the past? And we're like trying to launch things and it, and it didn't work as well. And part of it is like, it was coming from a place of, of uh, desperation. And, and clients can smell desperation, maybe not consciously, but unconsciously they're picking up on it. And, and then we were like selling stuff we hadn't innovated on in a while. There's like all these things. And so now it's, now it hurts the brand. Now the brand takes a hit because like, wow, these guys are actually behaving out of character. You know, the brand has got this story. People buy into it. They have these expectations. We show up in a certain way. And when you show up in a different way, People, it jars people's experience of you and then they step away and they don't want, they're like, what the fuck is going on? So that all happened. Now, if I had a hundred G's sitting in my bank account and savings, and I knew that I could live off of that for a year. If I got really simple, then, uh, then it wouldn't be a problem. I would sit there and I would strategize. I could wait two or three months. I could put together a new product. I could launch it. I could do everything really well. And I could, and I could just knock it out of the park. And everybody on the outside, all they see is business as usual. Oh, new thing. Oh, my God. I'm inviting you to come enjoy our new product. And people would just come rolling it. Yeah, but I didn't have three months. You're describing I to had me. To get, I had to make money this month. Uh, I'm with you. You're describing to me what I'm seeing happen <clears throat> on Instagram for gyms who've been closed for two and a half months. Rolling out yeah. their brand new $100 a month membership. Anybody who wants to come because they're hurting and it's like, well, what do we do to get the quickest injection of cash possible 
and they're inviting members to join, 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 join. Instead of what you were just describing, if they had enough money through COVID, looking at their business and saying, where can we improve so that when we reopen, we're doing a better job of providing value to our members and they're more willing to spend more money so that we never accept another member at the previous price that we were charging. And that over time we can raise the price on everyone who's in the building because they didn't have the space for that. They start launching the hundred dollar membership, which will cause the yep. next problem, which they'll have to solve mm-hmm. urgently, which will cause the next problem that they'll have to solve urgently. And they never get the space to actually create a long lasting, sustainable, valuable solution. Yeah. And what we're, what, when I, when I'm hearing, yeah, as we're talking, I'm going, what, what is existing in that scenario is a lack of strategy. It, it, there's zero strategy in that. It's, it's a response. It's a, it's a knee jerk reaction. It may feel like we thought this out and we came up with this idea and all this, but true strategy will, uh, will consider the repercussions of that action or those words, you know, two, three reactions down the line. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, if we do this, how are people going to receive it? Okay. What's, what does that make? Uh, true. What does that make? What opportunities are created from that? What challenges are going to be created from that? And one of those things where you go out and you offer a hundred dollar a month, whatever, it's hard to come back from that a lot of times. It's like, okay, well now I got to change my strategy. It's like, you didn't think it all the way through. And it's obvious to you and me because we've been there and we go, Oh, you didn't think that all the way through. And the person <laughs> who's executing it is going, I totally thought this through. I got a genius idea. And you're going, Oh, you're totally fucked. You don't yeah. even know it yet. And it's sad. You don't even know it, but people have to fail to like learn a lot of times. Yeah. Well, the thing is, I don't want to dive down to what does it cost to have a member in the gym hole, but, but the idea is they haven't thought yeah. about that. They don't know what it costs to have somebody or they wouldn't be charging less than it costs for them to be there. So I want to parlay that into how you've been coaching the coaches who work with you at the strong coach on how to avoid emotional knee-jerk reactions in times like we're currently dealing with. As we record this, it's June 17th. We're, yep. we're in the middle of one of the largest civil rights debates, civil yep. rights movements, civil rights awareness moments since Martin Luther King. I mean, that, that, yep. that's where we are right now, which mm-hmm. I believe has a ton of value for society. Just having the conversations is valuable, whether you're on the quote right side of it or the quote wrong side of it. Just the fact that these conversations are happening is valuable. How do you? Yeah, I'm laughing. Like, oh, I'm just all the like Instagram feeds are running through my head right now. But go ahead. Oh yeah, <laughs> don't even. I mean, yes, it's you, crazy. Yes. We'll ignore that. Yes, exactly. For now. For now. For now. How are you advising the coaches and the gym owners who you work with? to navigate those waters where they can feel as though they're acting in integrity with themselves and at the same time acting quickly enough and thoroughly enough without knee jerking. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, I mean, we also got to talk about COVID with this. It's like, sure. We hit COVID and everyone freaked out and like, Hey, I had a moment where I go, what the fuck is happening here? Oh, yeah. I've never seen this before. Well, the difference though is for you, it's a moment. And then you start thinking about what to do as opposed to the moment becomes three months long. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so that, yeah, lots, lots of answers to one question. First off, anyone who's been working with us for a time, they had a similar reaction as I did, which is what you're pointing out, which was, Oh shit. Never seen this before. Opportunity. Like the, the the switch into holy shit how can we how you know how can we take advantage of this uh and i'm thinking back to covid with this i didn't for the civil rights uh aspect of what's happening i i was less in that state mm-hmm. uh it was more of like how do we how do we like create peace and have a real conversation that's where my head's been at but um the the people that have been with us for a while this it scared everybody for sure, but everybody was already, they'd set their business up. The foundation was strong. The conversation we were having is strong. And it was, it really was, I got everyone on the call and everyone's like, all right, let's pivot. 
you know, and let's talk about what that looks like. And everybody, everybody in the mastermind, people who've been through our 90 day program and are, are in our, our one year program, everybody is making more money. Uh, I think we might have one that, that isn't, but that was like, he decided to also leave his business at the time. It, it, it was out of a choice versus, uh, felt like it was happening to him. Uh, but, um, yeah, everyone benefited from this because they had this big foundation ahead of time. When someone comes in fresh and they're like, oh my God, what do I do? I'm like, well, we might have to start over. We might have to start over because of everything you did up to this point was uh, troubling. <laughs> that, but that's, like, that's so good because it's, it's, it's yeah. so true. Like people come at the moment and they're like, what am I, what do I do? My members are leaving. We're offering like the same workouts at home and they're not buying it. And I'm like, they're not leaving because of the workouts you're providing. They're leaving because they didn't trust you all the way before. And they don't trust you to now deliver when it's more difficult to deliver. And they're just cutting their losses before you do. Yeah. This may be an unpopular opinion, but I think the same thing's happened with affiliates and CrossFit right now. hundred percent. 90% of the people who are leaving, there was already something they were already unhappy with Greg and they weren't happy with HQ in some way. Um, and this is just, this was the thing that put them over. Dude, they and were, they it, were, and it's a big enough thing that everyone is in agreement and everyone's like, yes, that was fucked up. Okay. Who's coming with me? You know? And so there's, there's, it's the same exact thing. And so think about the trickle down there. The HQ treats its affiliates is the same way that most affiliates treat their members. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, Which is, it's it's about the workout. It's and it's interesting that you went there because, you know, it's kind of like being in the relationship with the girlfriend or boyfriend where everything would be perfect if they just stopped doing this one thing that they've done <laughs> since they're two. Like they're not going to yeah. stop doing that one thing. You either love them and you take that as the thing, or you just acknowledge that this is not going to work. That person is just going to yeah. be a mouth breather. It is what it is. No. When, when, when we talk about the, uh, the CrossFit example, this also leads me to another interesting thing that I've learned recently that I imagine you deal with as well. And that is because of the kind of results that you get for your clients, it's almost difficult to market because you don't want to put the expectation out that you pay us and then you get these great results without doing the work between paying us and getting the results, which may include you making yeah. less money for a few months. That may yep. be the reality. Um, and so many people have worked with companies that say they do what you do, that say they do what we do. And we do very different things, right? We refer yep. coaches to you. We tell them to look into strong coach when they come to us with problems that I believe you are better suited to solve for them. And Thank you. you're welcome. I will go into what those problems are in a moment. But the, the, <laughs> thing, I, the thing I want to, to touch on is that the biggest hurdle to overcome is oftentimes that people don't believe that they can actually achieve those results because they've already paid another coach who told them they could get them the same thing and failed. How do you like, how do you work around that or work towards that for your clients as they try to acquire their clients because their clients have been to another gym too and they've gotten bad results there. Yeah. Um, a, uh, if you've worked with another coach before, like when, if we have a client that comes in, they're complaining about someone they worked with before. It's red flag. The same as someone's applying for a job or or anything. Uh, they're complaining about if, if there's a lot of complaints, especially if they work with more than one. I remember one guy came in. He's like, I had like I've had like two or three business coaches up to this point. Da, 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 da. And I'm like, red flag, red flag. I'm about to be his next worst coach, right? Or if you're hiring and someone's complaining about the previous employers, like you're about to be their next worst boss, you know? And so <laughs> there's, there's that piece where I go, oh, okay, if someone comes to me and they go, yeah, Sean didn't really work out. Duh, 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 I'm like, oh, fuck, this, this is going to be a piece <laughs> of work. Right. And so uh, you should have gotten results there. Uh, so the, there, there's that piece. And then another one is like, what we tell people is the program will not work for you. The program does not work for you. It works with you. The program works with you. We work with you. 
there are, we have all these people getting these results and then we have some people that aren't getting the results. And, you know, it's, it's, it's always the people who aren't getting the results. They tell a lot of stories. That's the one thing I've found that they have in common. They got, they just want to talk about, you know, whatever else is going on. They're just like, they're talking about other people. They're talking about the situation. They're talking about the stories. They, they, they dance around things. They don't get directly into what's actually happening. And so uh, storytellers tend to be uh, much more difficult to work with. So one of, one of the things that we do is we, we minimize that story. We're like, whoa, 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 pump the brakes. You're in story time here. Like, let's actually get down to what's actually happening and not what you're, you fantasize is, act, is going on in the world or with you or your business or your girlfriend or whatever. And uh, let's get down to nuts and bolts. Uh, so, yeah, some people may, uh, we've had people that they do our program and they sell their gym. Multiple people. I've had multiple people. I've had people come through the program and by the end of the 90 days, they go, I don't even want to be a coach. Uh, the guy that runs all my tech, uh, Devin, uh, he came to the strong coach program and then I think 60 into the 90 days, he, he's like, I don't want to coach. Well, I, he- I thought I did, but I realized I don't. Uh, and then, and then he's like, but I'm really good at all this stuff and I love what you're doing. I'm like, cool. Let's talk about that. Well, so I so think- he ended up working and what something he loved anyway. I, I think what happens there and correct me if you, if you disagree is when someone works with you, it becomes abundantly clear what it takes to be a successful coach. And now, yeah. now the veil is lifted before it was like, I'm trying really hard. I'm doing all of the things I'm here 70 hours a week. I should be successful. Then they come to you and you pull the curtain back and you're like, wait a minute, you've been working really hard, but you haven't done any of these things, which are what is yeah. required of you if you're going to grow your influence in your business and then they see it and they're like, Oh, that makes sense. I don't want to do those things. I don't want to be a coach because it's so clear that they know now it's not a mystery how to be successful. It's very clear how to do it. And the choice is yours if you want to or not. And that changes the game for people. Well, there there's that. Um, and in the very beginning of the course and this, this gets refined over the 90 days that we keep refining it which is your vision of your vision of the future. So, you know, a lot of times someone comes in like my vision of the future is I'm in the gym and I'm doing this and this and uh, da, da, or I'm doing online coaching or whatever. And then get halfway through and then their vision is refining, refining, refining. And then they realize that their vision of the future has nothing to do with coaching. And then they go, Oh, what do I really want? So we really get down to what people really desire. If anyone's ever confused about what they want from the future, we cover that. And I, yeah, a lot of people come through and they go, I thought I wanted to coach. Like even it's not even about like what it's going to take to be a great coach. There's that aspect. But then the other aspect is like, yeah, I actually want to, you know, I want to do something that involves numbers more. And I'd rather sit in front of a computer and run Facebook ads. I'm like, awesome. You know, Mm -hmm. I can use you. I need that. You want to join the team? Come on. You know, I don't want to do it, but we need it. Yeah. 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 So the, the reason that we refer coaches in your direction, just so that people who are listening to this can know and so that you can know, I know we've spoken about it before, but I think that yeah. it's a valuable forum for me to share. We help people go through a personal development renaissance throughout the course that we run. It happens because of the course. It's not a course for it. And when people yeah. come to us, and it's, it's very clear that they are more in their own way mentally than from a skill perspective. I feel very comfortable saying you can have the transformation of unawareness to awareness that you need to have if you go to the strong coach. So for coaches out there right now who are in the mindset of, I don't know if I want to be a coach anymore. I don't know if it's because I'm not making enough money or if it's because I don't like it. I kind of like this other thing too, but I've been unsuccessful at something before coaching and I really always liked coaching and I, I think I want, they should be coming. In my opinion, they should be coming to you because I think that 
That's a, pl- and please, if that's not the client that you want, tell me. <laughs> you know? uh, yeah. Uh, we, we, um, so here's the, there, we have two layers. So, uh, the strong coach is really, we lead with personal development and a lot of people, uh, it's their first exposure to personal development beyond podcasts and reading books. You know, a lot of times I run into people, they're like, Oh, I'm way into personal development. I remember uh, this one girl, I was like, Oh, I might date this girl. Like, <laughs> like, uh, on my Bumble profile, I've got, you know, personal and spiritual development is a must. And so, uh, which is accurate. And, uh, this girl, and I was like, I was like, Oh, so we got talking, we've been texting for a couple of days. And I'm like, Oh, so what do you like do for personal development? She's like, well, I listen to these podcasts and I read these books. And as soon as that happened, like my interest just went, just tank. She was so hot. <laughs> didn't matter. And <laughs> the truth is, is like, once you've gone into a personal development experience, you realize like how surface level you're ever going to achieve just reading books or listening to podcasts. And so I know that for me, my personal life, that had I done this personal development work before I started building my business, the business would look completely different. And, uh, I wouldn't have, I would have wasted a lot less time. So we always, with the strong coach, we start with personal development to make sure that we're building the right business. And there's always a business. We have, we have so many models to choose from. We have all this stuff that we can do that will give you the life that you want. So that's, that's the strong coach. So someone, uh, if that's where they're at now, if someone is like, wants to go pure personal development and they want to go into, you know, like, yeah, let's, let's take a flashlight and go plunking into the shadows of my soul. Um, <laughs> then I, the program training camp for the soul. I have a 12 week program that is, it's just emotional development. We talked about stages of development earlier in the call. Um, there, there are predictable stages of intellectual development. There's predictable stages of, of, uh, of emotional development, of spiritual development of like you look at any category of being a human being, it's infinite. There are predictable stages of development. And so that particular program works specifically with emotional development and which impacts intellectual development, everything else. And so what we do is we dig in and we do the emotional development side and we find out what your values and boundaries are. Uh, we see where your self-esteem is at. We, we, it, you may have too much, you may be over esteem, <laughs> You may overesteem yourself. You, you've run into those. Um, uh, you and I are probably in that category. Like mm-hmm. we probably used to think we were more important than we were. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and every day I become less and less important. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good sign. Like, like I'm like, I'm like, I'm not important. I sit back and then everything starts happening. It's like, okay, good. Uh, but, uh, you know, we, that work, it's a 12 week of just like, let's pull everything up from childhood and look at it. And it's a lot. It's a lot, but if somebody is just confused about what to do in life, or they're like, I don't want to, I don't know what to do with my life. I hate my job. Uh, my relationships aren't working out. I'm having, I'm, or I feel like I, I'm, I'm capable of much more. Um, but don't necessarily want to go down the coaching route, training camp for the soul. That's what that program is for. So like I working, doing anything I'm doing is going to be very personal development heavy. Even my business stuff is personal development heavy. Um, and and we have good business training on top of that, but I don't specialize in helping a, a specific type of coach. Got you know, it. it's more of like a, we're going to discover together what your business is going to look like. Cause someone comes in and like, what, what should my business look like? And I go, I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. I got to know, we got to know what you want before we can build a business. Cause how many people build businesses wake up one day and they hate it. Oh, like, dude. You just created the thing you hate. That's, that's, that goes back to the CrossFit unaffiliation thing. They jumped in, they looked around, what is everybody else charging? What do their classes look like? What time are they having their classes? Where do they buy their equipment? What equipment did they buy? Cool. I'm going to do that without ever asking, Hey, are you successful and fulfilled? Oh shit. You're miserable. <laughs> I'm not going to do that then. So, yeah. um, what you just described is great because I think that so many people, like you said, start a business with the belief that the business that worked for somebody else will work for them. 
And what yeah. needs to happen first is they need to figure out who they are so they can build a business around that. And, and the reason that I seek conversations with you in part, besides the fact that I enjoy them, is when I talk to people in business who, whose acumen I respect, who have had failure and success. I'm, I'm actually much less interested in people who've just had success or who only know their successes. Yeah. Um, but whenever I talk to people like this in, in, in the fitness world, they all seem to know you, right? Mm-hmm. And to me, you are who you're surrounded by. And you're influenced by who you surround yourself with. I imagine that there are things that I do in my everyday life that I say very, very, very comfortably that I do very, very comfortably that if I was with you, I would probably think twice about saying or doing simply because of your energy and where I know you've been and what I know you do and what I know you know and what you've said and what you haven't said. And I like that. But I like being around people who make me think who I know have made other people think. And I want to acknowledge that in you publicly for everybody who's listening. Thank you. I appreciate that. You're welcome. So is there any stone that we've left? I mean, there's probably a thousand stones we've left unturned. Are there any extremely pertinent stones that we left unturned in regards to what we've already discussed today? Yeah. I want to cover one thing. And what's cool is I, I had this, I coached one of my clients and hit this and then you, and then we started digging into the money conversation. I'm like, how did we not get here yet? So um, there is this, there's this message that is coming from business coaches and coaching coaches and all this stuff of like, you know, charge what you're worth, you're valuable, all this stuff. And, um, I hate that conversation. The, and the reason is, is because most people charge what they feel they're worth. Like I'm worth a hundred dollars a month or I'm worth $150 a month or whatever it is that they're charging. Like I'm worth this much money. And even people, most people don't actually feel like they're worth that much money, but like, like they know they have to charge that much, but inside, like emotionally they're going, they're going like they're having a hard time selling it. Like you want to push that contract across the table. And if you're nervous or if you're, if you're nervous about asking for the money, then you doubt your own value. All right. And so most people doubt their own value. And so they, what they've done is they've attached their own personal value to a dollar amount. Right. And at the beginning of the call, I was talking about money's just made up. Right. Like, and so the, uh, we're all circulating this paper and this digital currency and all this stuff. And we've somehow real attached what I'm worth as a human being and how much I value myself, I'm going to put a number on that. And then, and then if I want to make more money, I got to like feel better about myself. I've got to like, I've got to realize that I'm valuable and it's all bullshit because the thing is, is you as a human being are infinitely valuable. There's, we can't put a price tag on it. Anything that you believe about your own personal value is just a belief that's total bullshit. Like whether you believe that you're worth a million dollars or a hundred dollars, it's bullshit. You made it up. It's not real. <laughs> and so the thing is, is like what I want people to realize is you can charge whatever other people will pay and people, other people will pay based on what they value your service at. So if it's worth 600 bucks a month or if it's worth a thousand bucks a month to me as a client, I have a coach that I pay him 3,500 bucks a month. Why do I pay him 3,500 bucks a month? Because it's worth 3,500 bucks a month to me. It has nothing to do with what he thinks he's worth. That's what he asked for. But I'm sure that in my coach is pretty high level. So he probably is, he's in the same thing. I was like, well, I'm not worth anything. When it comes to dollars, like I'm worth nothing. And I'm worth everything. There's nothing, you know, why are we having a conversation about like dollars and my own personal value as a human being? That's strange, but that's where most people are at. And so there's this thing of like, you know, charge your worth. I'm like, yeah, but what are you worth? Like, I don't know. (laughs) And so like you're worth whatever someone else is going to pay. And there are people that make a million dollars a year and I go to them and I go, Hey, if you want to hire me, uh, you know, like for me, I charge, if someone wants one-on-one, I don't do one-on-one um, unless like someone just fucking wants it, which means it's a hundred grand for the year. You want one-on-one, hundred grand, you got to go through my other programs too. 
Um, I won't touch you until you've been through training camp for the soul. And, uh, the, and the reason I charge a hundred grand is not because I think every single person on the planet would get a hundred thousand dollars worth of value out of my work. It wouldn't happen. You give me certain people and a hundred thousand dollars in a year, they probably would say it's not worth it. But some people would be like, dude, he charged too little. Like it's worth way more than a hundred grand. Right. And so it's so relative, uh, based on who I'm selling to. Now, the reason I charge that amount of money is because I look at my business because my business is like business. And I look at my business and I go, if I'm going to take my own personal time and energy, energy is important here. If I'm going to put my energy into somebody else with one-on-one coaching, what is that taking from my business? Okay. Well, I have to charge at least a hundred grand to make it worth my time to do that. So I have a boundary to me. I'm protecting my business and I've got 10 employees. I've got 10 people to protect. I got to make sure we do well, they can do well and we can serve our clients because it's all about at the end of the day, it's about servicing the client. And if I start charging too little and I put my attention over here on this other client and then I'm only charging 50 K for the year, then my, my ability to serve all these other clients is going to diminish. I'm not going to lead my business as strongly, not going to get the energy it deserves and all that kind of stuff. So for me, the value conversation, I have to cover this because people are, they, they're losing sleep over it and they're losing business over it. And, and, uh, and it's causing a lot of trouble because they're, they've tangled personal value with dollars and it's work. It takes work to unwind that, that those beliefs, but, uh, it's very, very possible. And I, I like to start the conversation there uh, around what to charge. How does somebody start figuring out what somebody else is willing to pay? Ask for it. And so I'm a big, I'm a big fan of stretching people 10 to 20%. Like, all right, what are you comfortable asking for as a coach? Like, oh, I'm comfortable, like 200 bucks. I'm like, cool. How about 225? Like, that's, that's what you're going to pitch next. Like, oh, uh, we had one client. We've had clients we've had them double, triple what they're asking for. We have one client, like, uh, <laughs> triple, like, triple, like, we like, you're going to go ask for this much money, period. And she cried, just cried. And afterwards, she cried. And it was just like, it was just, just destroyed her in so many ways. And at the end she was able to charge double and she was happy with it. But the reason she was crying is because she was feeling everything that she believed. Mm-hmm. She was, she was really attached to these beliefs and she was feeling all of it. And we needed for, for true long-term transformation to occur. We have to feel whatever it is all the way through. You know, if you want to like create little mental gymnastics and language stuff to work around it, that's good. That works for a certain amount of time. But if you want like long lasting, I wake up with peace and I handle my shit. You got to learn how to feel. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's like check that bank account every morning. I want you to wake up, do your morning routine, break out up before you do any work. Look at your bank account. What do you feel? Oh, yeah. Most people feel like shit. <laughs> Whether it's got a hundred dollars in there or a hundred thousand dollars in there, they're either afraid that they don't have enough or they're afraid that they're going to lose what they have, you know? And, so and true. it's like, if, if fear is driving, like, all right, I want you to be with that feeling. I want, I want you to be with that feeling you've been avoiding and people don't check, check their bank account because it'll ruin their day, but it, it'll ruin your life. But if you don't look at it, so short term pain, look at that bank account and be with the feeling. Ask for a certain amount of money. Notice the feelings that come up and be with those feelings and stories will emerge. And so there's work to be done there. Find the feeling, see what stories come out and then write the stories out in a journal and find out if it's true or not. Um, I'll give you a clue. 99% of the time, not true. Uh, And so like, this is all tied to, you know, most of it is living in fantasy. Yeah. It's, it's, it's amazing. By the, the thing- way, I live in fantasy a lot too, folks. I'm not, I'm, I'm talking about the human condition here. When I say we or they, I'm talking about me too. Yeah. I, 
I'm glad you said that. I, I know that. And I, I know that about you. I know that about myself. I don't know that people would have interpreted that if you didn't say it. So I'm glad you did. Um, yeah. It's amazing. Like self narratives are the whole thing, right? It's the story yeah. we tell ourselves all day long is a story that comes true. And it's, it's, yeah. it's crazy. Mike, I could talk to you for four hours. <laughs> this is fun, man. I love it. I, I love it. We're going to keep jamming because you came on my show, Yep. which everyone should check out. Come on your show. We'll, we'll do it again. I'll, I'll have you back. We'll ping pong because I think our conversations are uh, some of the best when it comes to, to business in the fitness industry. I appreciate you. I appreciate that. It, it's, it's, it's just it's important that if we're going to make this industry something that is meaningful, we need to be able to create coaches who understand the value of that impact. And I'm not talking about like you were just saying, not how much are you worth, but if we look at leveling the industry up, how much is that worth real numbers and and real humanity across the board? You know, like we're not fixing chronic disease as coaches. We're telling ourselves that we are, and we're not because it's happening by accident, right? We're not developing people by giving them hard workouts. It's happening by accident. You need to do things on purpose. And that's the stuff that you're describing, the stuff yeah. that we're describing. So I'm, I'm down to have these conversations anytime. So, I, yeah. Where can and you- here's the thing. Health, health is so important. Like, like, how can you attach numbers to that? Because if somebody, somebody's sick in bed, they'll pay anything to get out. Yep. Where can people find you? I want them to find you. Uh, Instagram, Mike underscore Bledsoe. Uh, also at the strong coach thestrongcoach.com um, and then yeah I'm podcasting on the Bledsoe show and the Strong Coach podcast pretty regularly I think you'll enjoy the content so that's where you can find me I'm all over the place Mike Bledsoe thank you so much for your time today thank you Sean appreciate you alright that's going to be a wrap for this episode of the Active Life podcast and guys remember remember if you are looking to enhance your fitness business If you're sitting there thinking, man, I would love to be able to go on vacations. I would love to be able to take two weeks off and not have my business fall apart. And most importantly, most importantly, if you want to be a part of the movement that we are creating, facilitating, and seeing come to life, which is coaches and gyms becoming the healthcare clinic of the future, Helping people who've gotten hurt working out. Helping people who've been told they have to work out around that. Having people be told they're too old to do that. Find new hobbies. If hearing things like that for your clients is frustrating for you and you want to learn the skills to solve those problems and also get paid very well to do it, head to activelifeprofessional.com and let's get talking. Till then term pro.